Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. This is David Nagel. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. This one is titled, The Power is in You, The Power is You. Um, We are going into, again, Thomas Troward. Uh, The book that I'm going to be sharing from is um, Your Hidden Power, Thomas Troward's Your Hidden Power. And I'm also going to be pulling another lesson from U.S. Anderson, Three Magic Words. Uh, Two really, really great books uh, give you an idea of what we're talking about here. Um, The the previous episode that we did was really about desire and understanding desire uh, and how it plays out in direction of our life. In this episode, I wanted to focus on the power... Uh, that is behind the desire, the, po- the, the like the power of the universe, the idea of God and where we place that idea uh, in our life. Um, this episode is really designed to get you to think here, um, but I don't. I always suggest that a person does some some real study on the on the topics that we're talking about, so that they can really come to their own conclusion. Don't believe me just because I'm so passionate about what I teach and and what I'm saying. Do the research for yourself. Study for yourself because the best way to get a hold of your own life is to come to a belief because it's what you want to believe and not what somebody else tells you to believe. All right. So we're talking about the power here, right? And of course, like I said, Troward's book was called The Hidden Power. But here he's saying, the branch cannot bear fruit except it abide in the vine. The power of bearing fruit, of producing and of giving forth depends entirely on the fact that the individual is and always continues to be as much an organic part of universal spirit as the fruit-bearing branch is an organic part of the parent stem. He says, lose this idea and regard God as merely an external creator who may indeed command us or even sometimes be moved by our cries and entreaties, and we have lost the root of livingness with all of its possibility of growth or of liberty. Now, what is he saying here? He's a wordy guy. I get that. Uh, but he also has some, some genius stuff. He's basically saying to understand that we're one with God, right? So you can, you can say we are God. You can say that even though if you come from a lot of religious perspectives, some of that is considered heresy, even though in a lot of religious texts it actually tells us that here and there. You can come from the idea that God is like a tree and we're part of the tree, which is what he's, what he's recommending so the mind grafts it more like. We're a branch of that main tree of truth and of power. But what he's talking about here, because this came under his essay of separation and unity, was that if we, if we start in our mind to separate ourselves from the idea that we're the power and we think the power is outside of us, we literally completely stop our ability to create consciously a life uh, or anything that we want uh, based on the idea that, you know, we have some kind of a purpose in this world other than to just, you know, kind of survive and, and make it through uh, based on what other people think that we should do. It's a very, very strong lesson. He says, this is dualism, which cuts us off from our own source of life. 
And so long as we take this false conception for the true law of being, we shall find ourselves hampered by the limitation in insoluble problems with every description. We have lost the key of life and are consequently unable to open the door. Now, here's the thing. You have to, you have to just take a look at the way that our world is, is being right now. It is obvious that we've lost the key and we're unable to open the door. We're fighting against each other uh, for principles that each, uh, each group of people that are fighting want to believe is right. And when you start to look at it, if you back up, if you really just take a step back and you look at what's going on with the world, what you're seeing here is that whoever it is, the opinions with these loud voices that are screaming, they're all fighting for something to make wrong. And I get that because that's the way that we're that's the way that we're taught in the world. We're taught with the idea of right and wrong. We're taught good and bad. Uh, and it it but it creates a bigger problem. It creates the problem of believing that we're here to extinguish the bad so that the good must exist. And the problem with that is that they're not one in the same in as one is causing the other. Good can never t- Good can never cause bad, and bad can never cause good. So by extinguishing the one does not let the other come to the surface because the idea, the psychology behind the bad to begin with is in the mind of the beholder. So the problem there is that that's what the person recognizes. Why do they recognize that? Because it's programmed in their mind to recognize it. Now, why is it programmed in their mind to recognize it? Because they do not have a real belief of what their power is, nor do they have a belief of what actually keeps them safe, certain, and prosperous in the world. They believe that somebody else is trying to take that thing from us. And in, in, if, you, if you boil all of that down, it comes to what they believe about themselves as an individual, which is victim. And if they're a victim, they don't have their power. So they believe that the power is outside, which is what Troward's saying. is cre- It's the duality. That's the duality that's behind it. There's a power outside of me, and I need to extinguish that power so that I can have power. But we don't ever extinguish a power so we can have power. What we do is we accept our power, and if something else is trying to take it, we overthrow that idea. That is, that is the principle. Now, U.S. Anderson... Uh, talked about this in Three Magic Words, and he brings Christ, the teaching from Christ into this, and he says, Christ spoke of the law of attraction and the habit patterns of the conscious mind when he said, unto him who hath shall be given, and unto him who hath shall not, uh, shall, I'm sorry, let me me just read that again. Unto him who hath shall be given, and unto him who hath not shall shall be taken away even what he hath. Meaning that on the, on the onset of this, when you start to study this, this scriptural truth, it's like, oh, well, this, that's not fair at all. But what he's really saying here is that a person who has the consciousness of life and desire and growth and moving forward, more shall be given to that person because they have a, bit, a, a greater ability to receive. They understand the law of cause and effect as far as, it, as, far as receiving Uh, goes in their life. And if a person that doesn't have anything and is fighting to try to get it from somebody else, 
that person is not coming from the idea that they have anything to begin with because they believe that somebody else has that. So they don't understand their power. And even what they have, they will lose because they've assigned their power somewhere else. He says he knew that the image and the faith of the conscious mind was always materialized by the Father. He knew that a person who saw abundance around him was by the very act calling into existence even more abundance. And he knew that the person who saw lack all about him was by that very act calling into existence an even greater lack. As ye believe, so shall it be done to you, he said. And this is the simple science that he stated uh, that he that he stated the law of attraction more truly and more concisely than it ever likely had been stated again. Every thought you entertain and accept becomes part of you and inev- inevitably will bring you the physical reality of your image. All choice is made in the mind and the acceptance is made by the spirit. And there are not billions of minds in this world at all, but only one, and it is in every one of us. So what is he talking about as far as the mind and the spirit? Well, the mind, we're talking about our conscious mind. Now, we have the conscious mind, we have the universal mind. They're actually one and the same, but we 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 can think about them separate to help us understand the differences. In our own thinking process, we have a programmed way of thinking that we learned as children. And that way of thinking was to teach us how to survive. That way of thinking was to teach us how to prosper in the world based on the limits of that thought. It taught us cause and effect from the way that the people that came before us understand cause and effect. But if we're not living the life that we really want, where we actually feel that we have the power to change that and express our greatness in the world, we very much do not understand the all mind or the second part of the mind, which we're discussing here in these lessons, which is the universal mind, the universal intelligence, which permeates and penetrates everything in the universe. And it has, it, it, all the intelligence is in it, which means all the intelligence is always in us also. However, we have to be able to see it and acknowledge it. It becomes very different to see and acknowledge it if we think we're separate from it. If you go all the way back to Genesis uh, in the Bible and you, you go back to the Garden of Eden, it talks about the original problem was the separation, right? So God kicked Adam and Eve out of Eden and there was a separation. Before, when they were in Eden, all their needs were met. It was all in one place. They were, it was basically like one and the same. Uh, But then when they're kicked out, the separation occurs and everything becomes difficult for human beings. I think, metaphorically, that is the idea that somewhere along the line, our mind became separate from the power of that which flows to and through everything. And we began to think, for whatever reason, that it was something that we had to get outside of ourselves. And then through the culmination of that experience, through generations and generations and generations of individuals, it became the reality in which most most people live so that even the religious idea became something that it was separate and something that we had to work for instead of understanding that it was always in us to begin with. And in order to get back to that original Eden, we had to move into acceptance. 
we had to move into the understanding that it was never gone, that it was only in our mind that it's gone. But, you know, that's the amazing thing about the human belief system. If we think we don't have something, we might as well not have it because the mind will tell us to have the experience in which it's programmed to have. If, if, a, if a parent passes on the fears of the parent, the insecurities of the parent, the worries, the doubts of the parent, very, very likely the child is going to have those experiences in their life. If the parent passes down the aspirations, the hope, the power, the, the, the ability, the idea of responsibility, how to make a decision, all of the necessary components where a person can start to realize their own greatness, that will begin to manifest in the child. When we're not experiencing that, we have to bring ourselves back to the truth. And really, the only way that we can get to it is by studying, by really studying true uh, literature, but then not just taking it at face value, but going out and exercising it in our life and really beginning to understand it from a cause and effect perspective. He goes on. He says, it is sheer vanity to bemoan your fate for having been born into lack and limitation and disease while some other person has been born into abundance and health and is a consequence scarcely touched by evil. When you truly have come to understand that there is only one mind, which is in every place at the same time, and it's in all things, you will know that the difference between you and any person on earth are purely, are purely illusory. Your I may have been known, may have known lack and limitation, but when you cast these negations out and take on the knowledge of the abundance of health, your I has changed and you will no longer be the same person. True, you still may occupy the same body, but even as your surroundings will swiftly change, so your body will become vigorous and unafraid, erect and purposeful, animated by the greatest power in the universe. You can be anything that you want to be and do anything that you want to do. Born high or born low makes not the slightest difference. Exposed to the various evil in the world, and you may use it as a stepping stone to the stars. For the kingdom of God is within, and all the power of the mighty universal subconscious mind awaits your choice and your belief. So think. When we, are, when we are born, we're born into an environment, we're born into a set of circumstances. Um, our understanding of that environment and circumstances is based on the understanding of the people that are around us in that environment and those circumstances. They're telling us right from birth what to believe, how to think, what things mean. Uh, they're in their minds what right and wrong is, the decisions that we need to make. If they have dysfunctions in their life, if they have mental Ill illness in their life, those things, those ideas, those concepts and ways of dealing with it are then passed on to the child. The child cannot escape the environment in which it's being raised. Everything is being downloaded into that child's mind. So as the child begins to grow and think about the, the, the environment that it's in, its reference, its source reference for information is the knowledge that is stored in the subconscious mind. It's not tapping into a universal knowledge. It's tapping into the knowledge of the authority that's around it, and that authority becomes the parent. But what, if, what happens if we change the parental authority and we move to a higher authority with a higher moral standard, moral code, 
with a higher ethical standard, ethical code, with the with the with the the, the great truth that there's this amazing power that lies within us. What is the possibility for the change that can happen within that person's life? So, so think about this for a second, because I've, I've heard the arguments on these things many, many times for a very long period of time, for decades. Um, and I understand where the arguments come from, but in, in almost all cases, the arguments that I see that arise from this kind of literature are based in not study but based in the absolute certainty of the beliefs, belief system that was handed over to a person without any, uh, without any, any, any desire for that person to really get in and study a, a various amount of, of stuff to determine whether or not they want to choose to believe something. But think about this for a second. Every single thing that we see that's been created by human beings has an intelligent component to it. We can break everything down into mathematics. Uh, we can break everything down into cause and effect. And as we become more aware of the cause and effect of things, we're able to create, uh, build, and discover new things that are in our universe. But they, everything that precedes the material is in the intelligence of the unseen universe. It is in the energetic. It is The intelligence is here. As a person has a desire to focus on something, they get an idea in their mind. They're in harmony with that idea. They're in resonance with that idea. And when that happens, they start to become one with the idea. As they become one with the idea, they're also making themselves one within which the way for that idea is to be birthed into a physical reality in our life. Uh, there's no other form of life that does this that we're aware of, right? Like there may be somewhere, but we're not aware of it. In our world, in the world that we know from a physical perspective, the only thing that has the ability to really create consciously different forms of things like a book, a table, a computer, a clock, a video, like all this stuff is human beings because human beings have a superior intellect to the, then to the nature that we're around. Um, but regardless of that, there's a truth that is behind it that we have to tap into, that we have to see ourselves as being able to, to tap into and to receive for a person in order for them to come to the, the realization, the, the, the recognizing of that truth within ourselves so that we can create what we want. If we think we're separate, we move into a completely different, a different belief system in our world in which we're trying to get things from everybody else, but we're not understanding how we create it ourselves or how we would change it in our in ourself. He says, mind awaits your choice and your belief. No more is given to kings than to beggars. We're all, we, we are all born equal, for we are all one. And he who dispels the point suffers from vanity, and vanity kills quicker than the hemlock of Socrates. Um, he says it's vanity, vanity, isolated ego. When he's, that's what he's talking about, vanity, right? So the ego is in the false self, which thinks it needs things in order for it, for it to be healthy, to keep the ego healthy. It's I have to do this, I have to do that, I, I, I. When the truth is the I does nothing but choose and accept all things are done by the universal subconscious mind. Popular opinion to the contrary 
Vanity is more likely to be found amongst the failures and the diseased and the poverty-stricken than amongst the successful and the healthy. And the healthy, for vanity is no more or less a sense of personal responsibility and acute sense of ego as becoming separate and isolated from the universal subconscious mind. A person who falls prey to disease believes that he must take constant precautions against the invisible microbes which are constantly threatening him. He believes that the whole matter of his being free from ailments depends on his taking the proper physical precautions at the proper times. And the ritual with which he calls forth the God of health is contained in the bottles and boxes of powders, liquids, and such. It is true that very often these medications produce the desired result for the very obvious reason that the person taking them believes that they will. If he in the first place would simply have faith in his perfect spirit that made his body manifest, he would let go of a sense of personal responsibility, invoke the power of the subconscious for physical vigor, and never fall into prey uh, for disease at all. Now, I say when I read this to you, I'm reading this this author, okay? Now, I want you to take into consideration something because you can't ever just take this and then say, like, oh, I'm going to just believe that and, you know, I'm taking this medication that, that's, that saves my life and I'm just going to drop it and I'll be fine. We have to understand something important, whether we're talking about the little paragraph that I just read about what he believes about disease or we're talking about anything else. The, 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 the result that we currently have, whether it's ill health, not enough money, a failing business, a failing relationship, whatever it might be, is the result of a belief system. It's a symptom of something more. And if we're going to change it, we not only have to do the external things that need to be done, but we also have to change the thing that's causing the symptom. We have to tap into that belief. But in the meantime, that belief is controlling the experience that we have. If, in fact, belief does play that big of a role in a person's health, we have to also have to take into consideration the idea that if we really believe in our core of core that the doctor is the one that is going to help us get better, if we just eliminate that, chances are things are not going to go well. So we have to incorporate both things. That is the mind, keeping the mind healthy and understanding where that power is, but also doing the things that physically help us along the way as we make that transition from uh, from not well or dis-ease in order, to, in order to be healthy, or we're moving from a bad relationship to a good relationship, or we're moving from poverty or debt into uh, you know, a healthy financial situation, or we're moving in from a troubled business into a healthy business. What he is speaking of here, the problem, as both of these authors see it very clearly, is that once we separate ourselves from the idea of the true power that we are God, we are that power, we have that power, and one of the evidences for that power is that we have the ability to choose. If you look at all the things that human beings have done, and you look at the greatest things and you look at the worst things, the fact that human beings are the ones that do those things is, is evidence of the, the immense power that human beings have to do bad or to do good. We have that power. And when we bring it down to our individual life, we have to understand we have the power to create our life in an amazing way, or we have the power to destroy it in an amazing way. But the power is within us. 
Chances are we'll destroy it if we think the power is out of us because then we're doing all different kinds of things to get the power or keep us in the position that we are or blame something or something else. The whole key here is that we understand and we bring the acceptance of the fact that we actually have that power. Then if you, if you get to that step, then the next step is I need to really study what's out there and understand why and really come to the full acceptance of it so that I can actually take action with it in my life. But here's what I want to leave you with today. You look at how you think. If you think that the results that you have are being caused by someone else, something else, anything that has outside of you, you actually believe you don't have the power, the power is in something else. If you're at the place where you could say, I don't know how I created this, but I take 100% responsibility for where I am, you have the power, you're taking your power back, and you can begin to change it based on the, the fact that you have the power. Now you have the, you have the power to make the right choices in your mind so that you can change your life. I hope you get a lot out of this. I can't wait to see you on the next Successful Mind podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.